Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Pray Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. Mary has just come back from a day teaching small people basic things in life, and <laughs> so consequently is probably a bit tired. Um, would that be fair? Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Maranatha. Um, nevertheless, today I wanted us to do it together because of the subject. Um, I'll come to the Harry and Meghan debacle in just a moment. But for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, just want to update quickly regarding a couple of things that may be gaps, stroke questions for you. We're in the middle of doing um, a series on textual criticism which which we um, just didn't have time for before Christmas. I fell ill for about three weeks with a chest infection. Um, it wasn't possible, was it? So we're going to finish that. It's a very, very important series. If you've not heard that, please do check out the four or five episodes that we've done to date. We're, we're going to carry on doing that. Um, <laughs> by the way, the um, the cup isn't available. We're not selling them. That was from a friend. So that's coming. We're going we're gonna to be picking these things up is what I'm saying. So please don't think we've just abandoned them. When we start something, we want to, as much as possible, finish it. Today, what are we talking about today, sweet? <laughs> so uh, Harry and Meghan Markle, essentially. And mm. um, just we're actually responding specifically to um uh interview that was on STV on... Uh, the telly last night so there's obviously a lot of media stuff about the two of them at the moment and there's obviously been to say the least yeah the Oprah Winfrey thing which was last year along with uh, the documentary so but we're not talking about those specifically no so if you're in not in the UK you'll have probably seen all this stuff on TV it's hard to avoid but the UK interview from Harry went up last night and um we wanted to respond to that. I think why we why we wanted to respond to that is probably important to say initially because unlike the situation with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, you know, there are some things you just ignore as much as possible, you know. You can't ignore everything totally. Mm. But, but the thing with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp is I had no inclination, didn't feel any need whatsoever to speak about that. Just pray for them if you can straight remember, but it's not something to do a commentary on. There's no real, or at least I didn't feel there's any anything. But this this felt different to me. It feels mm. like there's something really important to say about it. And I think from our experiences that we've been through stroke in ourselves um, regarding what I would call the, the collateral damage of walking faithfully before God... When you eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy, you inevitably experience prophetic disruption at the level of relationships. And I would argue every relationship. Mm -hmm. Every relationship outside of marriage. Like we're one in Christ. I'm not saying if you eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, you can expect trouble in your marriage. <laughs> Although maybe, maybe, I don't know, you and I are very blessed to have a very peaceful marriage and very, very happily married, you know, praise God, not everybody yeah. is. But the principle is that, you know, the, the and so hence we wanted to speak into this today from experiencing and, and watching this thing with, with Harry last night, give his 
there are, there are, there's just some things to say, aren't there? Yeah. So we're going to do mm-hmm. our best to do that now. So suffice to say that that there are aspects of 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 what came in the interview that we I think both felt. I I've, I'm just going to comment from myself. You might want to disagree, but. I felt was was right, and then there were aspects of things that just felt very wrong. Mm, and mm-hmm. but there was a there was a moment, a very specific moment in the interview where I felt that the whole thing just collapsed, mm. began to just fray at the edges. And um, I'm going to refer to that as a fault line, a fault line, because I think we can do that in terms of referring to not specifically, but in general terms, referring to especially when you go through a process of, you know, often a very, very energy sapping, sometimes sleep disturbing, stressful experience over a period of months or whatever to try and bring about resolve and reconciliation. I think it's good to be able to at least put your finger on. Hmm. Like Harry, didn't he, last night, he referred to a number of times. Um, I can't remember what he said now that made me think of this, but, you know, he was... what. <laughs> There was a sincerity about him, so there's there is there is mm. aspects of this that, broadly speaking, we thought were right. Was right. And we'll come to the fault line or the the fraying moment in a minute. Let's deal with firstly, um, what we felt was right or what I felt was right. Let me just say I felt the situation about his childhood, which if you're a British mm. English person growing up, you'll just you will have just accepted as being normal. I suppose it's the royal family, you know, but it is a joke. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, there seems to be certainly what he was recounting, lots of instances where there were things that just seemed very questionable about things that young children were expected to just go through with what seems to be quite little support. Mm. And, of course, my understanding and Diana, I was quite young still and Diana died, but... She, to much to an extent, had tried her hardest to bring them up in a very normal capacity. Mm-hmm. I remember that, them mm-hmm. going out to normal places and that kind of thing. But I think as a whole, um, the royal family, there's definitely things within it that I just just seem very difficult. Yeah, let, let's just say it as it is. I felt the whole thing of having to go and shake hands with the public whilst your mother has been dead for for seven days or whatever. It's just abusive for ch- for a 12-year-old child. Yeah. to For a child to have to go through the grief, the profound... I mean, the impact of grief on that kind of thing of an adult is bad enough, but mm. for an informative child... It's... No. It's yeah. it's no wonder. I mean, to be honest, Harry's an amazing example of a, of a man. In fact, both of them are. If you think about that, mm. losing your mum in the manner in which they lost very, their mother. Very, publicly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, an, it's a miracle that either of them aren't in a worse state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we, we kind of felt that, that that sincerity was very, I don't think anybody would argue with that. The childhood situation, very, very sincere um, and I would say institutionally abusive. Um. I think the thing, the other thing that I felt was right about Harry. Do you remember when he argued he was being interviewed by a journalist, British journalist called Tom Bradby, and at one point Harry pushed back against Tom's estimation that how how can you want reconciliation and be this honest mm. mm-hmm. as though somehow 
extreme honesty <laughs> yeah. was was detrimental a, to yeah, yeah, yeah reconciliation. And I thought that was very telling. Mm. You know, and again, I see a great overlap with the church with this this false assumption that if you're honest and you want to go straight for something, that somehow you can't really want reconciliation mm. or peace. And mm-hmm. I think it's quite the opposite. So I think when Harry pushed back against the interviewer on that specific point, I think it was really good. And I felt Harry was right to do that, you know, which which comes to the point of walking away. Let's just talk about that for a few minutes, because, you know, again, we can we can relate with this, which is that, again, it's a false assumption that if you walk away, your heart can't be right or that it's always right. that There's reconciliation. What Harry was saying. And again, let's just take it at face value is that especially when he said at one point, you know, he'd not heard back from people that he'd reached out to Mm. um, where he'd asked them to tell him what he'd done so that he could apologize. And and then there being no response to that. Um, (sighs) Reconciliation doesn't always happen, even though forgiveness is always the standard. I think that's what we've learned in marriage is that forgive as Christians, we, we never have the luxury of not forgiving. Mm. We're always called to forgive. And sometimes that's really difficult. Um, but that that doesn't mean the same thing as being reconciled. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes it is right to walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, an extreme example would be in somebody who's being abused. Yeah. You would mm-hmm. never no, no. in your right mind expect that person to continue to aim for or to be in any kind of relationship or no. contact no so i felt what did you think about that in terms of the the walking away aspect of things yeah and of course i think within the context of this specific scenario it, that goes both ways there could be good reason that somebody hasn't replied to his email yeah. because of course the you know his family may be doing that they may be walking away from him for good reason mm-hmm. so yeah Within the midst of that, of course, the overall principle, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, and I think the overall principle is is true that there, and sometimes there's a timing to things as well. Mm. Um, while somebody may be saying, "I'm ready to reconcile" or "I'm ready to talk this through," they're not actually really, and you know that when it comes to the crunch, it would just fall apart mm. potentially if you know if you try to even go down that route. So. Sometimes there's a sense of walking away due to just wisdom, to not trying to push something through too quickly that maybe isn't ready for it. Yeah. The the point being, and I think this is what we're saying we felt was right, is that it's not always wrong to walk away. And the, the baseline, of course, is, is really questioning your heart mm. and always asking... Um, am I will? Am I what? What are my heart motivations in doing it? You know, not yeah. not out of spite, or mm-hmm. because you're wanting to avoid a difficult scenario, or yeah. facing up to your own issues or problems. But mm-hmm. you know, really being mm-hmm. honest about about why you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah, because the 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 same could be. It's also true to say it's not always right to walk away. Exactly. So, yeah. for example, um, and this is one thing I wanted to address, you know, if you're a Christian and you have walked away from relationships, particularly, I'm not talking about just losing, drifting off and losing touch. I'm, I'm talking about consciously making a decision to walk away from people who you've done life with very closely. You're accountable for that. If you've not, if you've done that and not so much as sent an email or, or written a, a, you know, sent a text or mm. better still, which is the standard of the New Testament for Pete's sake, 
go and knock on a door, pick up the phone at least. You know, if you've not even done that and you've just drifted off and then not been, you know, that's profound dishonour that you are that you are accountable mm. for mm-hmm. um, before Jesus and, and you'll have to give account for that. Um, so it's important to say that. I'm trying to move through these points as quickly as we can because we could be here for, <laughs> for, a long time. for an hour. So... Um, so, so we th- these are the things that we think that Harry was right about. The whole thing of his sincerity, which was clear at least to a point, you can be, of course, you can be sincerely wrong, or you can be sincere and still be wrong and obstructive to reconciliation. But we're going to come back to that. Um, Bradby being corrected by Harry, which I thought was right, that the extreme honesty isn't necessarily at odds with the desire for both reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, Let's just talk briefly. I, I would say this is if we if we did a, a, a session. I suppose this is what we're doing now, on on, you know, what I've subtitled this today. You know, biblical response to um, relational estrangement and breakdown, or I can't remember what it is. Would be this is to say that there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. We've essentially said that and covered that, but to make this point, if you look at Matthew eighteen. If we're going to be biblical, we're not. We're not going to do it for time now. But the the point of of if you read Matthew eighteen, um, the importance of going to your brother. So mm. the, the the text is, if you're if you're bringing a gift to God in worship or whatever, and there at that moment you remember that your brother's got something mm. against you, go to your brother. Mm-hmm. That Jesus always put dialogue at the centre of reconciliation, and he didn't ever do what he didn't ever he didn't ever say, "I want you just to forgive and forget." In the sense of, "I want you just to be reconciled and not say any more about it." Mm-hmm. Of course, sometimes you know, over, yeah, sometimes overlooking offence yeah. is, is right. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to major things, Jesus never says, and, and it, God doesn't think. You know, it doesn't say to us, just just kind of put up with it or just whatever. He puts, Jesus puts dialogue. And can let's just talk around that for a little bit because dialogue is, is really a word that is talking about the meeting of hearts. And that you can, you can as a Christian, you can obstruct reconciliation mm-hmm. by either, two things I think, you can either um, not want to talk. And refuse to talk. Mm-hmm. Or, and I think this is really common, engage with a process, but without your heart being mm-hmm. in a, engaged. Yeah. And so in a sense, you're, you're going through the motions, mm-hmm. but you're still being obstructive to reconciliation. You can get to a table with somebody mm-hmm. and have no intention. Yeah. <laughs> no intention of reconciling. Mm-hmm. Or, or really meaning it. You may be just wanting to kind of get the outcome without having to do the hard work mm-hmm. and just kind of skipping through the steps, hoping that you'll achieve it by doing that. Yeah. Which, of course, is <clears throat> nonsense because all that it probably means is that a few weeks or months down the line, you potentially end up in exactly the same situation because you've not fully engaged properly no. with the process. Yeah, what, what we're really after is mutual understanding. And I think if, if any of you have experienced the pain of serious relational breakdown either in a family situation or a non-family situation, what you're wanting is at the end of a process is that there's mutual understanding mm-hmm. so that in the future moving forward, this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean to say that you're wanting everybody just to be the same as you or that 
you know? No, it's just it's recognising differences and being able to talk about them yeah. and express them differently and talk about the things that hurt you personally mm-hmm. and then being able to meet halfway with somebody on that without trying to skirt around it or, mm-hmm. you know, it's to really engage with what is the actual issue and why is it an issue? Yeah, I think that what you just said there is very true. Meeting halfway, you know, and, and this is where it becomes very difficult in Christian contexts, which is that when when it's claimed that that has, has happened, hmm. but you intuitively know it's not, hmm. You might then, this is the thing, you could take this podcast in so many different directions. How would you know that, for example? Well, let let me give you some examples, okay? If you meet somebody around a table for reconciliation and and they're saying that they've met you halfway, they might eventually say, I've done everything that I can. But everything that you bring to the table by way of trying to explain how you've been hurt or aggrieved or whatever is rejected as being just a perception, a perception mm. issue or essentially it's being thrown back to you without there being the capacity for the other person or the other people to pause and listen with a view of understanding, even if they still disagree. Mm-hmm. You, can, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if somebody is just throwing... Or, or if, in another example, if somebody just says to you, I'm never going to apologise for anything here. I mean... What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary and I have actually experienced that. We've experienced a serious serious relational breakdown and that that has come out of the mouths of Christian people mm-hmm. toward us. I will never apologise for anything. That's that's you, you, that's not a relationship to have a hope of, of, or at least in the present, reconciliation. No. You have to forgive, mm-hmm. but to remain in that type of environment where X, Y, and Z... Things can happen. I mean, is there any wonder that there's problems yeah. if mm-hmm. that's an? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think, without going to any of these things in, in any more depth now, I think what we're saying is that where we thought Harry was correct is that there was just this sense mm. of wanting to be extremely honest. I'm not saying that his all of his choices about the book and so on and methods and so on, but I'm talking about the overall principle mm. that. Jesus putting dialogue at the centre of reconciliation is for extreme honesty. Yeah. And nothing and nothing but that, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah, I think with minor exclusions to that, yeah. you know, yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about where we... <laughs> where it went wrong. Where it went wrong. And it, there, there was a moment where it just kind of disintegrated before your, your watching eyes. And I'm sure, I'm sure most people who watched the UK interview last night would have, would have just recognised this as well because it was so obvious... Mm. Um, I, I would say that there was a moment within the space of about one or two minutes where the sincerity, which I would still stand by, that that he he was as sincere, came. He comes across to me as a really nice guy. Actually, yeah, I like yeah. I like him. Uh, yeah. But but the the sincerity just disintegrated. It frayed and fell apart yeah, yeah. at the point at which Tom Bradby asked him asked him about this accusation of racism. To mm. to to the uh, to his family, and Harry, at that point, became I I think entirely d- duplicitous. Oh, definitely. And yeah. for me, it was so revealing that despite and this makes the point that you can be sincere but be sincerely mm. wrong is that despite the sincerity of the things that we've talked about thus far, it then it then suddenly became clear this is what I'm calling the fault line. This is the point at which either 
reconciliation can happen mm. or you're just in mm. this circuitous never-ending exhausting mm. it's time to call it a day mm-hmm. reality which is trying to then contrived make this distinction between what he was calling subconscious bias or unconscious bias and racism and that somehow he wanted to he wanted to sit there before a watching world and try and make out as though that Oprah Winfrey interview with his wife wasn't somehow lumping the full accusation yeah. of racism, all of the drama. Do you remember it? Like the soft filters on on the lens, <laughs> and you've got you've you've got some well lit background. You've got lots of bokeh. You've got you know maybe some, and it's like it was scripted. It would have been scripted, and then it would have got to the point of this accusation, and it was all geared towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of <gasps> the guard, the, be- the beginning <laughs> of this process. Now, there would have been no drama if if it had been... What were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about unconscious bias. Everybody's unconsciously biased. Has bias. Um, But for him to sit there in front of Tom, who's clearly... I don't know if he bought it. I I can't imagine for a second that he did. And try and make out as though Megan wasn't saying that the family were racist or that the institution wasn't racist. It was just unconsciously biased. I think what was really sad about that was that he'd... He genuinely has spoken about the problem with the paparazzi. I mean, everyone knows it's an issue in the UK. and But there was this link with... The Wokarati paparazzi. Using, you know, like the royal family using stories and blah, 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 and putting all this stuff in the media mm. and not, not being clear mm-hmm. about what they actually mean or what yeah. they actually stand by. So for him to then say, oh, but the media used it mm. and then made it into racism, which... I think anybody with half a brain knows isn't true. Mm -hmm. But the point being, okay, you knew that the media was probably going to do that based on your whole understanding of the media. So it's then your responsibility to put that line straight. Yeah. You know? But actually what's happened is this whole theme of the royal family is racist has been able to drag on Mm -hmm. because he did... that was the intention, wasn't it? Yeah, because he did the very thing that he was actually wanting the royal family not to do. I don't know. It just felt a bit Mm -hmm. hypocritical. Well, it was was more than hypocritical on the level of trying to make out as though there wasn't a Mm. full-blown accusation of racism. But then... But then there's so much to talk about here. I mean, it was hypocritical, hypocrisy.com there, to then say that this whole thing about the British tabloid press was the problem for everything and then conveniently using said British tabloid press to make your point. But unfortunately, you didn't make it well enough to not cause a lot of global confusion. (laughs) But let's talk talk about quickly um, this thing called unconscious bias because we're we're not saying that's wrong. Unconscious bias is... It makes sense. It makes, yeah, of it makes sense yeah. to I think all, that would be a good thing to think about from just a purely mm. personal level. Mm-hmm. It's like um, what we're saying that was wrong is that to try and lie to make out as though there wasn't being an accusation of racism. Yeah. But let's talk about unconscious bias because I, I liked his point, which was that if somebody points out something to you mm. and then you continue to go on, it's an interesting point. It's what, really what we were just saying a minute ago. Mm. If you're trying to make out as though you're meeting somebody halfway, but you're not listening, mm-hmm. you don't have a posture that would, would be willing to acknowledge or accept that you, you might be wrong about something yeah. here or you might have totally missed something. Um, so I liked his point about that. You know, if you if you at that point then continue mm. to dis- then then that, that I suppose makes sense that maybe that is maybe that is a distinguisher of the difference between common 
unconscious bias and racism, although I would still say that's a bit spurious. I think it's a bit of a push, yeah. But the example you gave about the, the ginger, do you want to talk about that? Because, <laughs> like, I'm thinking if if a black person and, a, and another black person have a baby, no one's interested. If a white person and a white person has a baby, nobody's thinking, ooh, what colour might their skin be? But if a white person and a black person, in the case of Megan and uh, Harry and Megan, have a baby... Is it anything more than just interest? Yeah. What like, color? What, what color would they be? Yeah, you're just like it's a normal, a normal question to ask. In the same way that when a child is born into any family, the baby is scrutinized to who do they most look like, yeah. and that's just that is completely normal. But the whole thing of this question around their children, I mean, you have to wonder how many people asked if the babies were going to be ginger. Like, that is just a normal... Ginger for anybody ginger. outside of the UK is ginger. So if, <laughs> Mar- Mar- would, if Mary and I, if you and I had children... But that would be a question that would be asked because it's like we've both got... Well, I'm more reddish than you are, but... Reddish? Like, yeah. Well, anyway... That's like you, that's just I, I like a normal, and and people make fun of people's ginger hair, and it's just like that's and that would have happened, like it would have happened. So it's, but they're trying to make a difference. Like if you acknowledge that somebody's got a different color of skin, it's like you're suddenly racist because yeah. you're acknowledging biological fact now. It's so bizarre. So this is where what we're sa- what we're saying that the fault line, i.e. the mm. the pinpointed point, the exact point at which this whole debacle really is is rotating, revolving, is the, is the woke CRT, the critical race theory nonsense, mm. which is that if you were to say, oh, I wonder what colour the baby's skin's going to be, it means that you're racist. Yeah. Um, I've got a little bit of ginger in my beard, probably. Mary uh, misspoke just there. Because... <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But every every Brit, you know, there's ginger somewhere. But like, you know, if 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 one of us was ginger and we said that, like we've just said it, we're not. It doesn't make you no. racist. It's, <laughs> it's almost like the people who are championing the cause of systemic racism don't understand what racism actually is. Yeah, it's weird. Can you define to me what racism yeah. is? Because saying or just a curious a curiosity yeah. about the skin of the color of the skin. Now that all said, that doesn't mean to say that in every instance in Buckingham Palace that there was always an innocence to said questions or whatever, because we know from a recent example that was very high profile, I forget the, the, the ladies' names involved, the, you know, the, you can't you can't ex- excuse certain... I, I would say that is unconscious bias. You, the, the woman involved, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, I think there were questionable things around that. There was definitely. Though, so it's yeah. not always innocent is what, is what we're trying to say. Um, so... He, the point. This point was extremely dishonest intellectually of Harry, mm. and and it's the it was the fault line. I think a very insightful in fault line to this whole thing. So dishonest intellectually yeah. from somebody who's clearly not stupid. Mm. Um, just intellect on the level of intellectual honesty, it just fell apart for him. Mm-hmm. You cut. You can't sit there and and make that case. Um. I think I think it's just a profound example as well of this of this spiritually charged, demonically charged, woke CRT mm. thing that's going on mm-hmm. in society, and mm. I think it's affecting the church big time. Yeah. If if you speak to somebody as I did this week for the first time in ten years, and you're hearing more from them about racism 
than you are about the state of the church, mm. there's a problem. Yeah. That's not to say that racism systemic isn't real, isn't real yeah. or isn't an yeah. issue or isn't something that should be repented about. Mm. But it's it's downstream. Mm-hmm. It's downstream, not because it's less important, it's just that you don't go after that as the main thing. Don't make racism the main mm-hmm. thing in the church because it's not. Sin is. Idolatry is. So this CRT stuff and woke, it's a d- demonic delusion. And I and I feel, I genuinely feel for both Harry and Meghan. You know, some generations are more prone and vulnerable to this, I think, than others, perhaps. Um, but I genuinely feel for them that you can be that deluded mm. and that stupid, just on a frank level, yeah. to, to make out as though somebody talking about this, the wondering, is, it makes you a racist. It's just... No. And all of this then just falls apart, unfortunately. Um, so I feel I, I, that's, that's my take on it. Um, the hypocrisy with that, the contrived intellectual dishonesty and then this fault line. Um, it's really important to think of fault lines when, when you're facing relational difficulties and to be able to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom mm. to, to, to recognise and identify specific fault lines um, sometimes, and that's, we don't need to talk in depth about this, but sometimes it's more difficult than others with that. Mm-hmm. So in the case of Harry and Meghan and that being the fault line, the dishonesty around that, and that reveals the, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy, mm. the lying and this, this other, um, we don't know if they're aware of that. Mm-hmm. No. And so <clears throat> that brings to me to mind something else for me, which is that when you're dealing with these types of problems, particularly perhaps family issues, you're not it's not always clear whether you're dealing with sin or a mental health issue or ignorance yeah, i suppose yeah. yeah or or ignorance but 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 just take the example of sin or you know somebody knows that they're yeah that they're, they're being they're not being a christian example or witness that they know that and that there's there's an accountability mm. for that but then when but if there's an issue of mental health mm sickness mental illness whether that be extreme or not so extreme it can make it can make this really difficult which is why you need wisdom Mm -hmm. to know where to be able to in all good conscience identify a fault line that would be the point at which you can reasonably decide to either stay and engage with something or make it a harder decision Mm -hmm. perhaps to walk away um that that's that's really something that you just need to rely on the Holy Spirit for, I think, and it's it's a really difficult thing because um, it can be really hard to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're repeatedly not being listened to, if you're, and I think this is what Harry was saying. And again, this is where we would say we agree with this. If this is true, if it's true, yeah, <laughs> is that if there is a repeated unwillingness to listen or engage, then it's it's not necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. to walk away and that we need we need great with spiritual wisdom to identify these um fault lines i could say more here we could say much more here but i think maybe wrap it up mm. to say um just briefly in passing that when men and women come together in marriage i think often problems follow because prior to a man leaving his mother and father or vice versa there can be a chronic accumulative buildup of relational mm. problems that aren't dealt with. Yeah. If within mm. the family value there isn't this willingness to be fully honest, if there isn't a culture of 
if you've got a problem, please talk to me. I don't want, I'm not going to bite it. I'm not going to um, bite your head off. Mm. I want to listen to what you're saying. That's not to encourage or foster some kind of hypochondriac of a family who just has problems <laughs> continually yeah. and you always have to bend over backwards and listen to them. Yeah. But if there is within the family a, a kind of sense in which you can't really be honest, mm. you can't really express your yeah. heart without fear of what's going to be said or if someone's going to be upset. And, you know, we've experienced that extreme emotional manipulation. Essentially, it's what we're talking about is extreme emotional manipulation. And it might not always be as extreme or obvious, but mm. it's, it's I think... I think it's to say that is that that I've seen that is that when a man and a woman sometimes come together in a new family unit, that suddenly stuff just explodes. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happened with Harry. I think it's yeah. exactly what's happened with Harry. There's this historic cumulative build up. He's met Megan. They've become this new family unit. And then boom, it's like, mm-hmm. no, this isn't going to continue anymore. Um, I think people un- people underestimate what goes on there spiritually with that. Um Let's just finish with this. He made Harry made another comment um, that I think was really interesting when he talked a little bit bashfully about the significance of this situation for a global audience mm. and that their hope, however naively he might have thought that might have been, <laughs> was that this would become this is more about is more than just about them. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought about that quite a lot today because Um, there could be truth to that in the sense of the the royal family. And I'm not not being contrived here. What I'm I'm trying to say is that God does use things even out of the mouths of those who don't know God. Excuse me. Um, What what I'm trying to say is that in in the UK, for example, the the royal family of, of England, you know, for Great Britain, sorry, is a kind of quintessential royal family mm-hmm. through the Commonwealth, and if you if you're anywhere in the world, really, you think of you know who they are. You know, yeah. you know, not just them, but I mean, in terms of I know there are royal families in different countries, but what I'm trying to say is, it's the quintessential royal family, isn't it? The Queen mm. being the longest ruling, monarch, reigning monarch, yeah. as an example of that. Now, um, in the UK, again, if you're not British, you won't know this. There's this kind of long-standing. Um, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, there was a series called The Royal Family and it was just a, a, a satirical comedy mick take, really, um, of just a family that's so dissimilar to the actual royal family because they were so slovenly smoking on the sofa, watching TV, you working know, class, working so, class, yeah. but not necessarily any less, sorry, any more dysfunctional than the <laughs> yeah, actual royal yeah. family. So what I'm trying to say is, is that you've got these kind of like you know, just there's there's a what I'm trying to say is there's a royal family that's literal, and that there are on earth copies of the original. As marriages, it's a theological reality, but it, before it's a sociological construct. That's the way to understand the abhorrence that is redefinition of marriage in, mm-hmm. in law. So what I'm saying is there is a royal family that we are part mm-hmm. of as those in Christ. And that's why I think in in some senses I can't help but think of this globally um, featured dilemma, family breakdown, estrangement, and not think of the church mm. because it's the royal family. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's not any less true if it's another family that's not the royal family, but it, in some ways it just kind of makes the point in an underlining way that 
that there is a redemptive process going on within the royal family, mm. i.e. you and I who are in Christ. When Jesus literally receives his inheritance of a family at the end of the age, Psalm, the biblical reference for that is Psalm 2, verse 8, amongst others, you know, there will all of this will be dealt with. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think I couldn't help but think of that beautiful image that it is that an extreme period of disruption and pain and turmoil and tears and embarrassment and humiliation, whatever is required to get to the root of the problem in order for what? Mm. For ultimately for redemption, yeah. for mm-hmm. eternal redemption. Yeah. And um, for those of us who are in Christ and have an understanding of that, I think it's all the more important to understand these realities to do with what we've said, that reconciliation and, and forgiveness are two separate things. And that Jesus always puts heartfelt dialogue into the center of reconciliation. And if there's ever anything that's contrary to those realities in you as a self-confessed Christian, you're not being Christian. Mm-hmm. If you ever say, I've got, I'll never say, I've never apologized for anything. It's antichrist. Mm-hmm. It's literally antichrist. Yeah. Should we pray? Yeah. Lord, we thank you for grace and mercy. And we thank you that... Uh, this this earth and this um, world that we know is pointing to something eternal and that there are better things ahead than marriage on earth or family on earth. And Lord, that we would live for those things that are eternal, not just the copies. And Lord, we pray, we do pray for those who are involved in relational difficulties and the pain of those things and we ask, Lord, that above all things, that we would be true to what you're saying, that we would none, none of us would, would be at any point obstructive when it comes to reconciliation, if that's your will. And that when it's always, as it is, always your will to forgive, that you would enable us by your spirit, people listening, to forgive. To forgive. And Lord, we ultimately just recall now your redemptive plans from before the earth was even made, knowing that you are going to have your bride, you're going to have your family, and that we will be pure and spotless, presented in splendor at the end of the age. We pray now Mm. for for this family. We're no different to any other family. Brothers who are different to no other brothers. We pray in Jesus' Mm. name. Amen. Lord, we just, we know that we all can um, just relate with dysfunction in all kinds of different relationships. It's not a scenario that anybody gets through life without experiencing. And Lord, thinking about your expectations for what healthy and good reconciliation and forgiveness look like, Lord, we pray that as your people, you would teach us to be humble in this way and to ask of you the difficult things. Mm. Um, show us our fault lines and our um, preconceived mm. ideas about things and our decided stances that we don't want to budge on and our stubbornness and our unwillingness. Lord, where these things lie within all of us, would you reveal them to us so that we can... Mm. we can live our lives in the way that you intend us to, Lord, that you command us to. And 
and just give us hearts that are soft to the things that you want to do within mm. us, Lord. Mm. Ask these things in mm. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.